What is the difference between heroes and villains? Welcome to Twisted Reality. Reality 2, Episode 1. Queen versus Bishop. The date? May 1st, 2048. A man stands in an office wearing a suit dressed to the nines, staring out of glass that covers the back wall to see waves crashing against sand. A woman sticks her head in the door. She has brown curly hair with streaks of blonde, wearing a white pantsuit. That package arrived, King. Puts it on the desk and have a seat. The King walks to the desk. In the middle sits a laptop. To the far right, a red crown with black jewels floats over a pedestal. To the left, he puts his crystal watch and silver cufflinks before putting the crown on his head. Cassidy, get ready to write. Already done, my king. Let's see what we've got here. Something classified. My favorite. So, Project New Dawn. The government couldn't have a super soldier, so they decided to make a perfect team. Having the top soldiers train adolescents to adulthood. Yet, out of the 20 recruits, five graduated to lead this project. And they had their first mission at the tender age of 18. They had 62 missions before the age of 21. Until the government believed the project to have ran its course. On their last job, which was expected to be a suicide operation. Instead, scattered five of the most dangerous ghosts to ever exist. After three years of silence, they finally called me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Where is the good stuff? Subject 1. Codename, Leo. An orphan from England. Five eights with black curly hair. To him, the old fashion is home. For a gun can jam, but a knife will never falter. Neither does a trap, put in the right place. For he doesn't trust something he didn't build. A master craftsman, taught in the art of silence. Quick and clean, but not afraid to fight. Yet his morals are what betray him. Never being comfortable with extra bloodshed. For he deems himself a hero. So he would target criminals. For his morals wouldn't allow him to stand idle. The king lights a cigar as the scene fades to black. We enter a rundown construction site with scattered steel beams lying about. On a pile of rubble, a woman sits on her knees, ropes tied around her arms with a bag overhead. In the distance, the sounds of bodies falling as a hooded figure makes its way towards the woman. For a hero cannot resist a damsel in distress. The woman reveals a long serrated knife in hand as she removes the loosened ropes from her arms before the man arrives. Then we cut back to the man putting out the cigar or a femme fatale. Subject 2. Codename Lotus. 
adopted by the program at age 9. She is the oldest. A master of martial arts with 42 confirmed kills with bare arm. Double with handguns, pistols and revolvers. The most dangerous woman alive. But she would never let her skills rust. Instead, she would sharpen them, iron with iron. True combat. With risk. The gladiator, a true machine wrapped in flesh. Finding her wouldn't be the issue. Dispatching would. For she wouldn't allow herself to be in the open. Nor would they allow weapons. Solution? A group. Shortly after the fight. To give our people the best opportunity for survival. We leave the office to find ourselves in a fight in the heart of Madrid. In an underground brawl surrounded by a crowd, a woman in shorts and a t-shirt stands tall over two men, shooting blood from the nose. Three people begin to make their way through, putting brass on their knuckles, before we come back to King and Cassidy at the desk. Subject 3. Good name, Axel. Arriving at the program at age 12 was this orphan from Shanghai. At the height of 5'8", this masked sniper is known to leave a signature of a mask in a red shell case. Some people believe it is a token, but in truth, it's a marker. Left at the site of the shot in a place a normal sniper wouldn't dare dream. No angle too drastic. A mile far too close. The solution? The flaw is the mask. For only four people know the face of this dead eye. So, trust involves the mask. But is this trust or love? Constantly watching over the only people who know who you truly are. For seven years. It must feel so wrong not to have them in your sights anymore. For no one escapes your sight. So you would choose isolation. A farmhouse, maybe a ranch. To give yourself that feel for field work. Without the interruptions. He opens the lower drawer, revealing a bottle of whiskey. He pours a glass as we transition. Darkness. We see soldiers making their way towards a farmhouse. Goggles with green lights in the middle of the night. Guns pointed at the house at all times. We come back to King finishing the drink. Subject 4. God name Wild. He stands at a height of 6 feet tall with light brown skin. Born in the streets of Brooklyn, he performs street magic to get by. Until the age of 10 where he joined the program. He thrives in the art of infiltration and deception. Plus mastering the art of the redirect. But he excels at getting information from unwilling participants. He is one of the most dangerous ghosts, known for his over-the-top personality, a controlled frenzy of chaos and mayhem. Or, is this all part of his plan? For him I see one flaw. He needs to find the truth. After three years, only two of the researchers remain from the project while six others have died months after each other. So he's hunting. The issue, the more people, more opportunities for him. So we act casual, 
so we will act casual. Some special guest here and there to distract him until we drop the surprise. King takes off his suit jacket and puts it on the back of the chair. We look to the computer to see a laboratory, crescent moon facilities. We enter the laboratory to see two scientists crouched in a corner, begging, Wyatt, please don't, Wyatt, Wyatt. As another man in a lab coat with light brown skin, tossing a knife in hand, walks towards them. Don't what? Take your life like you took mine? And the nerve of you to call me wild. I am sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Shh. It's gonna be okay. You see, I have to deal with him first. Behind Wild, we see a man standing at six foot four with short black hair and a scar under the left eye, wearing a lab coat underneath a Kevlar vest. You see that scar? That's craftsmanship. Isn't that right, Eddie boy? Wild stops flipping the knife before standing, meeting Eddie eye to eye. Don't worry, Eddie. I'll give you something more to remember me by. Wild begins swinging the blade at Eddie from the left to the right. Eddie steps back, dodging them all, before Wild connects with a foot to the gut, sending Eddie back. Eddie looks up to see the blade raising towards his face. He was quick, but he wasn't quick enough as it grazes his neck. As Eddie falls to a knee, we zoom out, returning to Cassidy and King. Subject 5. Codename Santana. A 5'7 female with shorter length hair. At the age of 12, she stole six supercars. Before having a 200 mile per hour high speed chase through the streets of Dhabi. Ending simply because she ran out of gas. She's resilient with a knack for vehicles of all types. She's aggressive and cocky. Never afraid to trade paint. Known to be hot headed by nature. With a proficiency in explosives. A very dangerous combination. No care for others except for her team. Solution. She's a mechanic in nature. So she would have a shop, but off the grid. A chop shop. So we neutralize any large to medium vehicles within 30 meters. Leaving her with little vehicle option. King begins to smile as we leave the office once again. To a garage covered in spray paint. Surrounded by two black sedans with three motorcycles behind each, surrounding this door. Santana wearing jeans, a t-shirt, and a pair of boots, riding a dirt bike. Taking off between the cars before we switch back to King and Cassidy. So, will this all work? For my purposes, yes. But this is not to kill them. What do you mean? Think of it more as an invitation to play. To test my mind against something that's supposed to be perfect. And for that, I need them to get the band back together. My current issue is the sniper 
And that's where you'll come in. Axel is a true sniper to the bone and would want to defend those who fight up close that wouldn't be caught dead without their gun. Not a lotus then. Why do the old-fashioned rally change? It was how they were raised. Training in the old will reject the new. So we'll also reject something that can be shot from far away. My assumption they probably have the worst relationship out of the grip. Are you sure about that? Think about it. Axel has probably watched Wild the most. My assumption, they're close. If Axel is not on that ranch, they'll definitely be watching Wild. An unpredictable sniper. We can send one person to hunt after the first shot. Cassidy begins to pour herself and him a drink before we see the lab again from a distance through a scope to see Wild bleeding from the mouth as he fights Eddie. The shot puts Eddie down for a second until he slowly removes a thick metal plate from over his heart. The scope drops to reveal a masked person standing on the edge of a parking deck, reloading an all-bronze rifle before looking down the barrel. We return to King and Cassidy, finishing their drinks. So you want to be the one to do it? Why not? Who else am I going to talk to? Cassidy's smile grows wide as we fade out once again. As we end up on the parking deck, Cassidy dressed in all black with a revolver on the waist, with a circle with a spike on either end and the handle in the middle. She pins Axel to the wall and begins to strike again and again until Axel goes limp in Cassidy's hands. Hey, this is gonna hurt somebody. Santana drives a motorcycle towards Cassidy before jumping off the bike, sending it towards Cassidy, which she dodges, sending the bike careening over the side. I said someone. Cassidy jumps off the edge, grabbing the circle, shooting one spike into the bike, the other into the wall, suspending herself in the air. Santana walks to the edge. You got our attention now, and that's not a good idea. We leave Cassidy dressed in all black to return to Cassidy dressed in all white so, with King. So, what's after the invite? So we prepare for our guest. This is simply the appetizer and we are far from the main course. So, I hope they don't disappoint me. Alright King, let's get Roy back. Alright, alright. What's left for the day? You have a meeting at 7 with the mayor of New York. He flew all the way to meet me. I should not keep him waiting. The car should be outside. <laughs> Great. Get everybody set up while I am gone. The king grabs his suit jacket and puts his cufflinks back on. Then the watch. Before putting the crown back on its pedestal. Before walking out of the door. This is a game of chess. But the numbers are skewed. For one team as a bishop, two knights and two rooks. While the other has a pawn. While the other has pawns. And a king and a queen. Let the games begin. As he walks through the doors, we cut back to the rundown construction site to see Leo standing on the mountain of rubble. 
pulling his hood back, holding his shoulder bloody and bruised. He throws his arm back into place before reaching into the pocket of the woman who was still breathing, grabbing a phone. Then we transition to the farmhouse engulfed in flames. We travel through the flames back to the laboratory as Wild stands wobbling from the left to the right, knife in hand. Now that the third party's out, let's get back to me and you. Care to see what you put your life into? Up close and personal. Then we take a look at Lotus. As she stands tall over six bodies now, reaching into her pocket to see a reminder with the name Remy. From there, we find Santana on the highway speeding down in a two-door sports car, followed by two black sedans with Axel in the passenger seat. And then finally back to Cassidy on the laptop. Mission six. Wild's first deep operation was in a college, an off-the-record school in the belly of Greenland. The school is home to those whose parents work outside the law. He was enrolled for six months before the agent delivering his earpiece went silent. After the school got information from that agent, they decided to make an example. His name, class number, and A to whoever killed him. Naturally, his whole team wanted to go, but all were declined. So it was left to him and Axel to escape. After three hours of being on an enemy base, they escaped each adding 16 to their body count. Yet Wilde saved his two friends, who after leaving the school, made an attempt on his life which Axel took care of, for he couldn't bring himself to do it. After the incident, he was suspended for four missions for hesitating. Cassidy smiles. As she pours her glass, we see the laboratory on the screen once again to see Wild walking out, wiping blood from a knife. As he exits, he's confronted by three police cars and six officers pointing guns at him. Six officers begin to push forward, pinning Wild to the ground, before they begin to remove various knives, nails, and hammers from his pockets. After that, they begin to zip tie his fingers together, then his wrist, before throwing him into the back of an all-black cop car. As the doors close, we come back to Cassidy at the computer. Let's see if you're a true magician. As we check back to the laboratory, it is now a crime scene. The cops finish bagging the hammers, knives, and nails before going back to the cop car to see the doors open and a slice across the seat. A few blocks away in a cop uniform, holding a duffel bag is wild. He turns down an alley to be faced with Cassidy in all black. 
I showed up early, not expecting to see you so soon. <sighs> I do really hate being in people's plans. So how did you do it? A magician doesn't reveal his secrets. Wild tips his hat before Cassidy reaches to her back, pulling the revolver, pointing it at Wild. Nothing's as good as a blade, the same color as your skin. Smart. And of course I'm guessing you have a lot of information for you being here. A good amount. Since you know so much about me, how about you introduce yourself for your simply not government? I'll give you a choice. Would you like my handle or my actual name since you were nice enough to share your trick? Oh, that's a dirty little game you play right there. But I'll take the handle. The Grinning Reaper. I see, I see. Me and you are going to be seeing a lot of each other. Or I could end it all now. You won't. You wouldn't set all this up just to shoot me down in an alley. No, no, you want more. You want the team back together, I'm guessing. Not happening. Cassidy lowers the gun. You're playing with fire, lady. I love living dangerously. So where's the money? What? I wonder who pulls your little strings in the background. Cassidy fires two shots in the air before spinning the revolver along her forearm. I will pull this trigger twice. So, let's see if you survive, shall we? As the flash settles, we see Wild with a hole in the right shoulder, holding a pistol, and Cassidy with a hole in the same. That the cop's gun. Of course. I prefer to throw things. Knives, daggers, nails. And by the way, you should put some uh, pressure on that. Take your own advice. Far too busy, far too busy. Got places to be, but this was fun. Hope to never do it again. Wild begins to run to the end of the alley before hanging a hard right. Cassidy chases after him to see nothing. As she puts pressure on the wound, she pulls her phone out with an ear-to-ear -ear grin. The scene switches to Cassidy wearing a white pantsuit in the office asleep on top of the computer with a beautiful night sky in the back. A man walks in wearing a Kevlar vest and attempts to wake Cassidy, but King steps in the way. You cannot cage Ayanta and expect her not to kill you. You must let her hunt. She deserves it. A mercenary who rose to a captain of my private army nonetheless. That little best will not save you. King leans into the computer. King taps Cassidy on the shoulder. Do not drool on the computer. Cassidy wobbles up, then begins to walk out the door. As the door closes, we find ourselves on the outside of a closed apartment door. In front of it is wild. Sleeve of his 
police uniform, purple, as he bangs on the door until a voice answers. How may Remy help you, officer? It's me. Wilde lifts his hat with pain in the eyes and blood leaking down the arm. The door cracks open quickly as a person sticks their head in a woman with long black shiny hair. It's you. We said three years, didn't we? So you're coming back. Wasn't that the deal? But you're a man of your word. I know the price of my life. You make it sound as if Remy forced you. Well, I was bleeding. Like now. It's not Remy's fault that you jumped on top of another car. I was saving your life. I was getting paid. They were terrorists. No judging. Would you prefer us to go? Us! Remy looks to the side to see Lotus standing there with a bag over shoulder wearing a suit. Get in and try not to leak too much on the floor. Ladies first. Lotus responds in sign language. Who'd you piss off? Why do you assume it was me? Lotus points at the bloody arm. Understandable. She signs back. Have you met you? But this one wasn't my fault. A relic from the past had to be removed from life. But I found something new. Lotus puts her hand to her chin before signing the new. Someone is hunting us. But I don't think they want to make their presence known yet. So be careful. But I don't gotta tell you that. She signs. How bad. It's fine, I got it. Lotus points at the bloody arm. Piss off. Wild looks down at his leg to see a needle sticking out. Then his body feels numb and he almost falls to the ground before being caught by Remy. Now, no more talking. Remy drags Wild into the apartment, followed by Lotus, who closes the door. The apartment has a fridge in the corner with multiple tables surrounding a hospital bed in the center of the room. The tables are covered in medical supplies and tools. Remy stands at a height of 5'9", wearing scrubs with long black shiny hair and pale skin. She drags Wild in a bit more before Lotus picks up Wild and puts him on the bed. Remy's missed the ghosts and the danger they bring. The pocket of Wild begins to vibrate. Remy digs into Wild's pocket, seeing a phone and answering it. Remy speaking? Oh, hi Leo. I'm so sorry I can't talk right now. Busy, busy. Remy hangs the phone up before throwing it. Remy's birds. Remy's birds trapped in a cage of their own words. These bars, these bonds are hollow yet secure. Remy's life. Remy's past was cold yet sheltered. Her mind was lonely. Stranded in a league of its own, no competition, nor challenge, hoping this talent didn't rot. So Remy worked. 
The task was simple. The pay was good. The risk was high. The job was close to being done until they arrived. Soldiers, dressed like phantoms. They took Remy away. But this is where Remy met her birds. The first one was untamed and fierce with wings made of glass holding on top of a car before flying to another. Bang! Bang and making it his own. This is when the other bird began to fly. Wings covered in thorns, but as beautiful as a rose. This bird landed on the same car before... Boom! Breaking both birdies. But not too much. Once safe, their friends tried but could not fix. Remy could. But should Remy save the day? If she does, they'll leave and she'll be alone again. So, Remy made a deal with the birds. That they will fly to Remy's home three years after their last evil deed to tie off any loose ends. Remy in sign language says sounds familiar. Remy puts on gloves before grabbing a scalpel and walking towards Wild. As she gets close, Lotus steps in the way. Don't worry, Remy takes care of her things and that includes you. Lotus responds in sign language, reflexes. Remy walks around Lotus, then begins to cut the uniform off of Wild. Revealing scars along the chest, she quickly takes the bullet out before taking her gloves off. Remy's good. Lotus walks over to the table, grabbing a medical needle and thread before handing it to Remy. Thanks. Remy caresses the face of Lotus before replacing her gloves and working on wild stitches. Your forms are sharp, but your petals are so beautiful it's worth it. Lotus tries to sign, but she doesn't know what to say as her cheeks become rosy. You're the first person when you live speechless. Next is the one who talks soon, so treat my house like your new home. While Remy finishes the stitches, Lotus begins to look around the house. As we leave the apartment, we go to the center of the city, in the middle of the night. Leo sits on the edge of a building until a red dot marks his chest as Santana walks up the stairs. It's been a while. Sure has. So, where are the other two? I'm sure they're alive. Probably, but I haven't found them yet. So why call me here? Are we not friends? Explain. I'm ready for a war. You got an unwanted guest, too. So they paid you a visit as well? Me, Wild, and Axel. For them to do attacks on multiple fronts like that costs money and influence. So either a group of bounty hunters, maybe an army. Either way, we're all a contract, so why not work together? We don't have those types of funds. We're not government anymore, remember? I've gathered some allies who are quite familiar with how we function. Like who? Our former classmates. Who else? You trust them? Mostly. Why not look for Lotus? Or wild. We both know Wild is far too mentally unstable, and Lotus 
will find us when she's ready. The red dot lowers. So how many of us are there? Including you two? That's eight ghosts. Eight ghosts versus an army. We've dealt with worse. I guess so. Hello everybody, my name is Adriot and I'm the voice of Remy for this episode of Twisted Realities. I do hope you enjoy this episode because as always King puts so much effort into his projects. If you want to see any of my content, my Instagram and YouTube will be in the description below. But I will stop my plugging and I will let you all sit back and enjoy this episode. True. 